Welcome to our latest collection of talks, How to Worry Like Crazy. You know, this entire collection really has been based from our heart to really speak in practical ways to the issues that matter most in your life. We get it. Life is busy. And the older you get in life, the more you end up doing, the more responsibility you have. And there just seems to be more things that you can worry about, get anxious about, get stressed about. And we want to talk about that and talk about the ways in which if we can just avoid the things that cause the greatest amount of worry and stress, how much better would our lives be? We hope you enjoy this talk. And you know, no matter how you've come to be here today, no matter whether this is your first time in church or whether it's your hundredth time in church or whether you're just here and checking church out, as Nathan already said today, you know, we don't know what's going on in your life. Like, I don't know what's going on in your head and I don't know what you're going through and I don't know where your life finds you right now. But we want you to know that right at the top, right at the outset, before I say anything, in this place here today, you're loved, you're welcomed, you're accepted, you're valued, and we are so glad that you're here. So welcome home. It says it above the door, welcome to Liverpool One Church. And you know, if it is your first time with us in church today, then you have picked a great week to come to church because we are at the beginning of a brand new series today, simply entitled, How to Worry Like Crazy. Because if there's one thing we want to teach you, it's how to worry like crazy. No, 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 I'm joking. If there's one thing we want to look at in life, it's worry, right? Because we all get this. Worry comes to every single one of us. Worry is not just confined to one or two of us. And if there's one thing that's common to every one of us, it's that life contains stress. And life is not always easy. So if there's certain things that we can talk on in church that will be helpful in our everyday lives, then those are the exact things that we are going to tackle and get practical with and hugely expose with. And we're going to try and look at and unpack ways that we can live life better. You know, every week during this series, we're going to pick one thing and we're going to speak about that one thing during that week. And each week, it's going to be one thing that if you choose that thing in your life and you make that a part of who you are, and you bolt that thing onto your life, then you will definitely worry like crazy. But if we're all honest, I don't feel like that's something that we would all want. I don't ever recall being part of a conversation where I've ever had anyone say to me, you know, something that I'd really love more of in life would be worry. I really do feel like my days are too calm and too happy, and I really want more stress and more strife. Like, my days are too easy, and I just want them to be more difficult. I don't think I've ever, ever been a part of a conversation where that's been said to me. Because we all want the opposite, don't we? we? We all want life to be good, and we all want life to be calm, and we all want life to be organized and stress-free. We spend our money on holidays and we unwind and go to spa days. If you're anything like Luke and I, we love to go to spa days and we fill our homes full of scented candles that smell like sandalwood and sea salt because we want the air that we breathe to be relaxing. Some people go a little bit more extreme and they go out at the weekends and they drink crazy amounts of alcohol or they take drugs just to get some relief from the stresses and the strains that life puts on us. And I'm really excited about this series because I feel like no matter whether you're a church person or not, no matter whether or not you feel like this God thing is for me, or no matter whether or not you feel like you even agree with anything to do with religion whatsoever, this series is hugely practical. There's going to be some really, really practical things that we can all take away and bolt onto our lives 
to help us to deal with and hopefully avoid some of our worry. And I think the thing to remember about worry in life is that it's so general. It can be caused by just about anything. It can be caused by changes in our employment or changes in our income or changes in our health or changes in our family member or a friend's health. Things in life that are just out of your control. You know, today, is this you? Are you a worrier in here today? Has the mere fact that I've just mentioned work and your employment, is your like temperature rising now because you're now worrying about something tomorrow? Well, you've got my permission to like drop that and come back into the room. Don't be thinking about the office tomorrow. If you're thinking about a situation that you're going into in, in, into work tomorrow in the office that you really would rather not go into, then you can just shelve that and just try and take some practical notes on board today. But if that's you, then I feel like this series is really going to help you if, if one of your tendencies in life is to worry and to be concerned and to be stressed over things that virtually none of us ever see coming, then this series will really help you. And the specific topic that I'm going to be talking to us all about today is something that is common to every single one of us. No matter who you are, no matter what you do in life, no matter what your job is, no matter if you're employed, if you're a student, if you're a mum, if you're a dad, if you're a child, whoever you are in here today, this is something, this one thing is something that affects us all. And it almost comes in secret into our lives and virtually none of us ever see it coming. In fact, you know, this one thing is something that given the chance, it would replace anything that you hold dear in your life, anything that you find important, anything that you value in life, it will actually seek to replace that thing as the number one thing in your life and it will take from us all far more than we would ever want to give. And this one thing creeps up on us all and it's common to every single one of us. And what we're going to look at today is the topic of distraction. It's distraction. It's just common to every single one of us. We all worry like crazy when we get distracted. When we take our eye off the ball and we focus on the wrong thing and because of that we neglect the right thing, we have increased levels of worry and stress in our life if we lose time or if we lose energy or if we lose money or income because we were distracted and took our eye off the ball. You know, part of who I am is um, I am a distracted person. That, that is part of my character makeup. I am very easily distracted. My attention seems to just sway very, very easily. And that's just part of who I've always been. In fact, a couple of years ago, when I was speaking in church, just like I am to you today, it was uh, November the 5th was on a Sunday, and it was actually bonfire night, and all around the building, all around church, there was fireworks going off, and um, I remember that in the 6pm service, in the evening, I was about halfway through my message, and I was doing pretty good, everything was just working away, and there was a huge bang that went off just somewhere outside the building, and I like totally tuned in in an instant my mind went to like oh there's so just cool fireworks going on outside and I just well, wow I was picturing all these fireworks totally lost where I was in my message ended up having to say to everyone well this is embarrassing you're gonna have to like give me a second because I've totally lost my place in the message true story if you go back on the podcast November the 5th 2017 and watch about 15 minutes in there I am flapping around like an idiot trying to find my place because I was so distracted with the firework that had gone off outside the building you know, 
I drive Vicky, my wife, mad with, with this. I drive her crazy with my distraction. Like, when I'm in Aldi, I, I mean, who, 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 love, who loves Aldi? Come on, hands up for Aldi. Aldi's the king. But do you find that you go into Aldi and like, like me, like forget the reason why you're in there and get so distracted by those central bins full of like stuff rather than what you've actually gone in there for. Like it's been known that I've gone in there for like tea and ended up with a wetsuit and a garden parasol just because they were like there. And I'm like, oh wow, a power drill for $4.99. I've actually got a power drill already, but you know, it's $4.99. And, and, and then you chop and bill like trebles. And why? Because you got distracted. Or like I go into the kitchen here sometimes uh, and make a brew and my colleagues call me Alice from Alice in Wonderland because I get like involved in some huge cleaning job that ends up like painting the side of the auditorium or hoovering the floor in here or something all because I just got distracted and they call me Alice because I fall down the rabbit hole when I see like a mess and I just end up like all distracted and then run out of time in my day and end up rushing to get stuff done at the other end of the day. Even when I sat down to research for this message on my iPad and I noticed that the battery percentage meter in the top corner was like low, it was like 8 9%, that drove me so crazy because then I couldn't find my charger and then the whole job became about where on earth is my charger gone, which I found in Luke's office by the way, I took it back. My whole, my whole thing became about where my charger had gone and I got very little done in that session of like setting time aside to research for this message. So if it's ropey, it's Luke's fault, you know why. But like, sometimes even with the most basic of things, like I'll go to show Vicky something on Instagram, like there's been a funny post or something. And as I'm scrolling through, there's like an advert for a power, for a, for a new, um, a new like iPhone case that's like bomb-proof, splash-proof, fire-proof, drill-proof, and it's like only 15 quid. And she hates that sort of stuff. I mean, she can't stand like all these cheap fads that you see on Instagram and they're all the little ads that pop up. And I'm like, Wow, this thing's like, this thing, you could drive a car over this thing. And, and, then, and then I've got an unhappy wife, and nobody wants that. But they're just a few stupid examples of things that just distract me in my day-to-day -day life. But sometimes distractions can be a little bit more um, serious, can't they? Sometimes they can be something that doesn't just cost you a few minutes or a few pounds. Sometimes they can be, actually, the consequences can be quite serious. I remember a good while ago now... Um, my wife, Vicky, was really unwell. She had a, a particularly bad virus or something cold or something, and she'd gone to bed and she'd taken some painkillers for her high temperature to try and reduce her temperature. And then in the middle of the night, <clears throat> she woke up and um, she's all like full of snot and everything. No, she's not. She's beautiful. When she has a cold, she's like an angel. I'm in so much trouble. So hot. I love you, babe, wherever you are. But, um, but, but like she wakes up and she's got this temperature back and... and um, for whatever reason, I wake up as well, which is actually really weird because I sleep like a dead man. But um, I wake up and she says to me, have you got any painkillers? Have you got any paracetamol? And I'm like, yeah, 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 no worries. So I'm fishing around in my drawer at the side of the bed. And I pull out two paracetamol and I give them to her. And she goes back to sleep and I go back to sleep. And then in the morning, fast forward the clock a little bit, the symptoms have changed and now she's displaying a whole different set of symptoms. She's lethargic and she's tired and she can't speak straight and she's all her head's going on. Her and I'm thinking, well, this is really bad. So, so this is a Saturday night going into a Sunday morning. So we're due in church and she's like, I'm thinking we need to get up, but she looks terrible here. So she eventually says to me, 
what were those tablets that you gave me in the night? Were they definitely paracetamol? I was like, yeah, yeah, it's all I keep in my drawer. It's all I have. So I look in my drawer and I forgot that a few months earlier than that, I'd been given some tramadol. <laughs> you say tramadol and people start to judge. I'd been given for a severe neck injury that I'd actually sustained earlier that year. Now, I hadn't taken them all, so there were still some in my drawer at the back, just, I don't know, where I thought the paracetamol were. And the doctor had prescribed me one tramadol tablet to relieve the splitting pain down the side of my neck and relax my muscles and help me to sleep and help me to take away the pain. Now, in the middle of the night, Vicky, who's less than half my weight, had taken the two tramadol that I had passed her. So she'd woken up and was having all these crazy hallucinations and like the Care Bears were coming together and all sorts. Well, we arrived in church about an hour and a half later than that. And the funny thing was when Emma was walking down through the foyer and Vicky was walking up, she was like some kind of astronaut walking through the foyer. Emma says, oh, hi, Vic. And she just stares through her like, I have got the biggest problem with you you've ever seen. Emma's like, what's wrong with her? And it was, it was just so crazy. I was told later by Dr. Matt that I was extremely irresponsible and I should not be having unattended tramadol in my drawer. I should rather bin them and, you know, if I hadn't been so distracted and I could have caused someone some serious harm and blah, 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 story of my life. But you see how, because I was so distracted wanting to get back to sleep and not pay attention to the detail, that it could have actually caused a very, very serious medical condition for my wife. But it affects us all, doesn't it? Distraction, it's something that is common to every single one of us. It takes our attention away from what's actually important and it rather seeks to replace that thing as the number one thing in our life. I don't know if you're like me and have you ever felt like I know God's got a plan for me and I know my life's actually going somewhere and I, and, I, and I feel like I'm called. But whenever I actually go to do that thing, I just end up getting distracted and I just can't seem to move into everything that God's got for me. Like I know my life's full of purpose and I know that the future is good for me, but I can't seem to get there because every time I do, I get distracted. I'm constantly being distracted. Say, for example, one morning you arrive into work and someone, one of your colleagues, just tells you something that's happened in their world and there's no way they could have known. But that's the one thing that you've been crying out to God for. You've been desperate for that one thing and they're so happy because it's happened to them. And there's no way they could have known. But then your day's in the bin because it's the one thing that you can think about. You're so distracted by the great thing that's happened to them. And then, and then your whole day is consumed with, well, God, why should that happen for them? Why, why shouldn't I have that blessing? I'm the one that's been asking you for that exact thing that's just happened to them and I can't believe that you've blessed them with it and not me. You're completely distracted by the good news that someone else has had. What about if it's the way that you react to things like your temper or when you're in the car and someone slices you up and then has the audacity to make out like it's your fault or you skip through an orange light and then someone beeps at you and gives you the lovely little wave with a couple of fingers in the rear view mirror and does that kind of stuff, are you like me, does that just get under your skin because that's something that's a real trigger point of mine is in the car. I'm, we, we don't stand on this platform and say we're perfect. We stand here and say we're real people. Every one of us is just real people just like you would go through things and 
One of my things is trying to keep those reactions in check. I mean, are you at all like me? Do you get distracted from then driving your car? In the past, I've been so distracted from driving my car that I've driven it too fast through a speed trap and ended up with points, which has then caused me to worry even more. Or what about when you sit down to read the Bible app on Instagram? A Bible app on Instagram. Bible app on your phone. (laughs) You see how easily distractions happen? You sit down to read the Bible app on your phone, but on the Instagram icon, you see there's just a little notification. So you pop onto Instagram just for a second, and that then leads to you scrolling through, and then you end up seeing somebody else's life, and they're going through all this amazing stuff, and they've gone on this holiday, and you're thinking, well, I should be able to go on holiday, and then you get distracted by all the great things that's happening to them, and how that's not happening to you, and you should be able to do that, and why can they do that? And then you end up in a place where you don't even want to read the Bible anymore, rather you just want to get so irate that everybody else is having such a great life, and your income's so low, and you can't even go there. Why? Because you got distracted and you looked at the icon and you went onto the app rather than read your Bible and do what was actually good for you. And it happens to us all. So my question today is that I just want to spend a few minutes unpacking and having a little look at with us all is this. How do we deal with distractions? How do we deal with distractions? Because the truth is they're coming to us all. If you're alive and you've got breath in your lungs, they are coming to us all today. Distractions are coming. And it's just something that if we're going to follow God and choose what's good for our life, then we're going to have to learn to do something about them when they come to us. You know, you would have assumed when you look at life that there would be some instances where it would be impossible to be distracted. Like you'd have thought there's certain things that you can do in life where If you were doing that thing or that thing was going on, it's absolutely impossible that you could be distracted. Like imagine a celebrity was in your house. Imagine your favourite celebrity was there in your house. You wouldn't have thought that you could get distracted under that circumstance. Or imagine, let's bring it back to church and get all religious. Imagine if it was Jesus who was in your house. You wouldn't have thought that you'd be able to get distracted if Jesus was in your house, talking with you, having a coffee with you, watching some Breaking Bad on Netflix with you, the Christian version, because Luke's told me that's swearing in, and I've only ever seen the Christian version. If he was actually physically there in your house, you wouldn't have thought that you'd be able to get distracted, would you? You'd have thought that you'd be tuned in. But you know, in the book of Luke, in the Bible, it's full of eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life. Places where he went, people who he spoke to, things he did. Every every little story about Jesus' life, it's, it's accounts of things that happened and actions that happened in his life. And today, I just want to have a very brief look at one of those accounts where Jesus went to someone's house and someone got distracted and then what happened as a consequence of them being distracted. So if you've got a Bible with you today or the Bible app, bypass Instagram and just flip on the Bible app and go to uh, Luke 10. We're going to read from verse 38 and it's a story of two sisters. So here we go, Luke 10 verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to come and help me. 
Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better for her and it will not be taken away from her. So here we go. We've got two sisters. Jesus arrives in the house. You can guarantee he was with his disciples because it says he was, that they were all there. So there was 12 of them, one of him, two of them. So there's an instant house full. You see the scenario that's going on. Mary, on one hand, was completely tuned in to what was going on. She was like, Jesus is here. I want to listen to him. I want to sit and I want to just, I want to just listen to everything he's got to say because she right-sized the opportunity that he was in her house and she was like, I'm not missing a moment of this. This doesn't happen every day. In contrast, you've got Martha, who's like flipped the switch, gone down the rabbit hole and gone into full-blown work mode. She's like fussing and faffing and making sure that all the food's done and all the cleaning's done and all the drinks are ready and everyone's got a table by themselves with the coaster on so you don't get a ring on the table. And she's absolutely like gone full tilt the other way. She's gone into work mode. But she became distracted by all the work. I don't think she underestimated how important it was that Jesus was there but she did get distracted by the fact that he was and didn't sit and listen and that ended up becoming bitter. She became so stressed and so fixated on all the work that she had to do that she ended up losing her temper and then thought that it was an okay thing to go to Jesus and go, will you tell her to come and help me like, like, like that was ever okay? You see how her distraction got in the way of her vision and caused her to make a wrong choice which just set her up for a fail. Like it was ever an okay thing to do, to go to Jesus and go, will you tell her to come and help me because I want her to help me do the, do the drinks and the food. Because the things she was doing had very little benefit to the rest of her life. The things she was doing had no eternal benefit to her. They were just distracting her from something that was really good for her, but she was too distracted to see it. You see, when we remove our focus from what's good and we put our focus on what's a distraction, what we actually do is we place it on something often that has no benefit to us at all. Often the thing that we put it on really doesn't have any significant benefit to us whatsoever other than maybe a momentary benefit of making you feel better in that moment. But remember this, it's a trap that we so often fall into. And it's way easier for the devil to distract you than destroy you. A lot of the time, if he can distract you, you're as good as gone anyway. I mean, think about us here as a Liverpool One church. If we became distracted as a church or as a leadership team and took our eye off the ball, off our main one goal of changing lives for Christ one life at a time, then the devil may as well have destroyed us all because while we've still got a building and while we can still meet on a Sunday we'll be as ineffective in that scenario as if we weren't here at all. So we've got to watch ourselves for distraction. So how do we actually deal with distraction in our lives? How do we actually deal with it? Well, we have to expect them. The first point today is we have to expect them because they're coming. And I think the first thing to note about expecting distractions is that in order to be distracted, you have to be on your way somewhere to be distracted from. You have to be on your way somewhere in order to be diverted from going to that place. Now, I'm guessing that because you're here in church today and you've turned up on a cold Sunday morning, you've turned up to church, I'm guessing that where you're on your way to, 
you want to know what God wants you to do in life. I'm just guessing that because you're here and making an assumption that you're on your way to try and follow God. And as we try and follow Jesus and as we try and do the best that we can do every single day of our lives, and hello, do we all fail every single day? Absolutely. But as we're on our way to do what's best for our lives, we have to make constant choices all day, all day long, all week long. And every time we make a choice, there's a chance that we can be distracted. Every time we make a choice, there's an opportunity for distraction to creep in. Like when you go to read your Bible, but you end up watching Netflix instead. Or when you go to pray, but you end up on Instagram. Or when you know you want to go and spend some time with that friend of yours who's really hit hard times in their life, but you end up going out with your mates because they're going out. Or when you want to go to life group and you end up in the pub. Or when you want to go to church, but you end up at the match. There's so many opportunities in life where we can all just become distracted. It's full of opportunities all day long where we just be better off sometimes to make the wise choice rather than the easy choice. It's almost like the hazard test on the speed awareness course. And I wouldn't know this because I've never been on the speed awareness course. I've never completed that course. Not. Um, It's almost like the video that they make you watch when you're watching for from the bird's eye view of the car going down the road and you're watching for all the distractions and you're there and you say, oh, there's a van there and he's doing too fast and she's about to step into the road and there's a dog and everything's dangerous and you think like everything's a hazard and everything's a distraction. But then when you leave the speed awareness course, everyone jumps in their car and heads home and no one's watching for the distractions. You're just thinking, thank goodness, that's four hours of my life I'll never get back. Thank goodness I can now go home. And it's like that for us today. We get to listen to some knowledge about how we can expect distractions. But if we actually don't apply anything that we hear, and if we just leave this place and go, okay, great, well, we'll just press reset, then we don't actually take anything of what's been said into our lives, and we don't take it on board, and nothing will change. I also just want to say that all distractions in life don't have to be sin. It doesn't have to be something that's bad, right? We could be distracted by something that is is good, There are good distractions as well, but they'll still take your attention away from maybe what's more important at that moment. Martha didn't expect distraction. She wasn't ready for it. She was totally sidetracked when distraction came, but Mary was different. Mary sat at Jesus' feet listening to what he had to say, and then when it says that Martha came and and said, she's doing this and she's doing that and tell her to come and help me, It doesn't say Mary rose to her feet and defended her corner. It doesn't say Mary fought back and said, yeah, well, you should be listening. It doesn't say any of that. It says that Jesus answered on her behalf and defended Mary, which tells me that when you expect distractions, you won't be sidetracked when they come. When you're focused, you won't be sidetracked when distractions do come because Mary was living a life expecting them. When, like Mary, we expect distractions, we will go into everyday scenarios of ours, like our relationships, our work life, our church life. When you read your Bible, when you're with your family, we'll go into those scenarios and we will expect that distraction might happen. And that will look different for every single one of us because what distracts me might not distract you. And we have to expect that they're going to come. And the second thing today about distractions is we have to, when they do come, we've expected them when they do come, The second thing is we identify them. It makes no difference whether or not we expect them if when they arrive, we don't red flag them and say that is a distraction. 
It's very similar to when you go to the doctor and you have an immunization for a disease. It's the same thing that happens inside your body because most immunizations are live vaccines. They're small amounts of the actual sickness or the actual illness that's actually given to you. So what happens is your body learns a way to tune into that particular thing, that particular disease. It learns a way to build up resistance to it and it shelves it somewhere in your life that years later when that same disease comes airborne or some other way into your body and starts to take root, your body recognises that thing, it identifies it and it says, this is a problem, I'm going to destroy this. And your body tunes in because you were given a vaccine. Well, this today, this is our vaccine. We should park this in our lives and, and get ready to expect distraction and get ready to identify them when they arrive. And that's something that we could do with bolting on so that when these distractions do come, we've got a resistance to them in the future. When that same illness comes back, your body will fight it. Martha was so distracted by serving and fasting and prepping and looking after Jesus that she got so distracted that her attitude became sour towards Mary because she didn't identify it. And do you know, it's entirely possible that we can serve in church, we can turn up early, we can stay late, we can do everything that we do. We can serve on team, we can meet with other people, we can go for coffees galore and speak to people about all the difficult things. We can pray with people, we can help them through troubled times. But it's so possible that we can get so busy sometimes <clears throat> with, the, with the action of doing life and doing church that we actually miss God's voice in our life. It's so, it's so possible that that is a real danger and we need to watch out for the fact that we don't become so busy and so distracted with the doing that we neglect what actually this is all about. We neglect to hear from God. Just like Martha, it's also possible that we could develop a problem with other people, even in church, who are going through outrageous blessing in their life. We could see their blessing and we might even look at them and say, well, why would God choose to bless them? Does he not hear me that I've been crying out for years for this one thing? Does he not hear the fact that I'm struggling with this? Can he not see me? And that can lead to us then having a problem with the other person if we get distracted by our feelings rather than being happy that God has actually <clears throat> chosen to bless them. I guarantee you this, if it's the doing of church that is maybe a distraction to you, and maybe if someone hasn't patted you on the back and say thank you, I guarantee you this, that God misses nothing. And let's be honest, if we're doing it for his eyes and not for the thanks of people, then really it doesn't matter if anyone sees or not because your father in heaven sees everything and he will never miss anything. And that is a guarantee. Let's never be people who miss out on God's blessing because we're too distracted. You know, you may listen to this and you may um, say, okay, well, I hear what you're saying and, you know, I understand that distractions are coming and even when they come, what happens then? Because I understand that there might be something that would seek to stop me from doing what's good in my life, but when they come, what do I actually do? And how do I identify what my distractions are? Well, they might look totally different for every one of us. <clears throat> it might be a money thing. It might be a casino that's a weakness for you. It might be a distraction. It could be that girl in your office or that boy in your office 
It could be where you go or your friends or who you go with because every time you go there with those people, that doesn't lead to anything good in your life. And what can you actually expect that's going to happen when you do those things? It is, is that you're actually going to be distracted. So we have to expect that distractions are a part of life. We have to expect that um, <clears throat> they're going to come. Whether you like it or not, they're on their way. And if you're a visitor in here today and you maybe don't even agree with all the God stuff or whatever, you get, you get permission to shelve all that and just take the practical because you'll get distracted just the same way as everybody else. So we have to expect that distractions are going to come. And we have to also learn that when they do come, we have to identify them in our lives. And the third and final point today surrounding distractions is that we have to know to fight them when they do. When we've reached the point that we expect them, when we've reached the point that when they come, we identify them and we, we red flag them and we say, I understand now that this is not something that's good for me. I understand now that this is a distraction. I get it. I was on my way to do that and now I'm doing this and that's a distraction. When we've got to that point, that's the point to do something about it. That's the point to actually start to fight. And you might go, I get it. I understand it. How? What practically can I do? I now know that this thing that's been rolling around in your head today, I understand that this thing is a distraction. So tell me how to actually fight that thing. Well, you know, practically on our Monday to Saturday, that looks like if you're being distracted by a girl on the bus or on the train or a guy in the office, it looks like practically putting as much distance between you and that person as possible. Get a different bus, get a different train, get a taxi, find a different route into church, into work, find a different route, find a different chair in the office, move yourself and do a practical thing to get yourself as far away from that distraction as you can possibly get. The Bible talks about running from these things like a gazelle. And what gazelles do is they change direction all the time. They run from their attacker and they jump and they leap and they change direction. We have to get as far away practically as we possibly can from whatever that thing is that might be distracting. And you know, if it's, if it's your friends today, your friends are distracting you because wherever they go, you go and it doesn't end well for you. Well, change them. Change your friends. Find some new friends. Make a change. If it's not something that's a healthy pattern for your life, then I would ask you to change your friends. Think about it. You cannot get on a bus that's heading to Southport and expect to get to West Kirby. It doesn't happen. And when I say that, I mean this. It's possible that you can't follow God with everyone in your life. And it's okay that you can't follow God with everyone in your life. That's all right, because that's a real thing. I had to make a decision at one point in my life that the people I was rolling with, they're no good for me. So I put some distance there because I realised that while they're there, God's not there and I can't follow God with them. Because the bottom line is, we have to make some practical choices. Maybe if you distraction social media or the internet or whatever it is you, you do on social media that's just not healthy for you, then find a trusted friend who can change your password for a week and then, and then one week later, you can have a chat and they can reinstall that app for you. If they're anything like my friends, you'll get it back in Dutch. But, like, but, but just find a trusted friend who can change that password, log you out of that thing for a week 
and then they can just re-log you back in. Basically, if you're serious about wanting to see the change that you say you want to see in your life, then it's about time we got real practical and actually chose to do something about it because I've spoken to too many people and had too many conversations where I've given practical advice and they've just not been able to identify it to expect it and when it comes they're unable to do anything about it because they feel so locked into that scenario that they can't make a practical shift and get themselves away from what's so bad.